Welcome to the House Pop Break, where we talk about things about Game of Thrones. This is the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com, episode 131. The melodious vocals you have heard are from myself, Bill Bodkin, third of his name, master of none. We are here talking about House of the Dragon. And I am joined this week by the Queen of Dragonstone. You may know her as the living, breathing Star Wars encyclopedia. She is a Jedi tale upon her upon herself. Amanda Rivas, my co-host, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I, as the Queen of Dragonstone, greatly appreciate your greeting. And I am very excited to be back here and talking about all the, all the cool nerd things. It's going to be so great. And joining us this week, once uh, we've uh, pulled him out of the sewers of Haddonfield, Illinois, he is uh, the commander of the King's Guard, and he was thusly defeated last week in fantasy football by me after I said he was undoubtedly going to kick my ass. Uh, the number one commander of all our hearts, Ben Murkison. Once again, coming in in the last second and saving my bacon. How are you doing, sir? Doing well. Yeah, last week you did say by telling me that you were going to beat me that you probably jinxed yourself. So, Which is not usually how it goes in fantasy football. I was pretty much for a long time a very good predictor of, well, I've lost that game. And you know what? I just didn't usually lose those games. I got destroyed in those games. But Saquon's going to Saquon. Mahomes is going to Mahomes. So, of course, <laughs> those guys are going on by. So, good luck for my land. Good luck for my team. So, yes, we are here. We're going to be talking about House of the Dragon. But before we get into House of the Dragon, we have got there was a lot of news that came out this week. So we got to do some quick hits and some quick thoughts about uh, some of the things that we saw. So, Amanda, you and I are going to discuss the big news that came, came from across the pond. So for those who didn't know, on Saturday night, uh, Doctor Who uh, aired its uh, season finale called The Power of the Doctor. And we all know this was going to be Whovians. Uh, knew that Jodie Whittaker, this was going to be her last episode as the Doctor. However, we didn't know what was actually coming next, that the regeneration was not. Hold on. I just want to get the actor's name right. Because I don't want to screw it up. Um, was uh, 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 Sudi Gatwa. Uh, is going to be the new doctor. However, didn't actually appear. It was David by God Tennant. And the entire world went, what? Because none of us saw that coming. Now, for those who don't know, Russell T. Davies, who was part of the Who revival with Christopher Eccleston, and most importantly, David Tennant, is now back as the showrunner. However, the news didn't stop there with Doctor Who. It was announced, I believe Amanda, correct me if I'm wrong, on Monday that Doctor Who, the new episodes, now Tenet will be in three of the episodes, and then it'll transition over to Gatwa. They will be airing on Disney Plus, and they will be a co-BBC Disney production. 
so man, let me before we get into the, uh, all these news. Were you watching the Whitaker Doctor Who episodes? Honestly, no. Um, I not, fell out. I fell a out a little common bit. Thing. Yeah, I fell out of it um, a little bit because a lot of other things started happening. But I'm a you know Matt Smith, David Tennant girl all the way, um, and I just I just couldn't. I had a harder time getting into to Jody's piece. To be honest, I just felt like you know the writing just wasn't it just didn't hook me as as much as you know the previous doctors had. So I watched I watched the finale, you know, and I was I, you know one of my best friends is also a big hoopy and she's she's a much bigger hoopy than I am. She cried, and I was here like ooh <laughs> when David Tennant showed up, I was like <gasps> I think I chucked my popcorn, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, I'm uh, so that that's a little bit, but yes, I had fallen out, but now I feel like okay, I think I'm back in it. I'm back in it now, I think. Well, that was like me. I I what I picked up um with Matt Smith because that's when I first got BBC America clearance. I think the episode was Let's Kill Hitler, one of the great oh, yeah. episode titles oh, of all time. Yeah. Um and I watched through him, I watched through Capaldi, um, mm-hmm. where a lot of people did drop off during the Capaldi run because it wasn't Matt Smith anymore. And then with Jodie Whittaker, I got through the first season and then the last two, I just kind of fell out with. And I don't know if that's because there's more prestige television that's on. I don't know if it was just because it coupled with that, it didn't feel as prestige as it once did, despite the fact that Jodie Whittaker was very good in the role and the, the master was very good, but yeah, I, I feel like a lot of us just kind of dropped off. Well, I, I feel like you bring up a good point about the prestige TV. I feel like for me personally, my interests went, I feel like Star Wars was taken off and there were other, there were other um, areas of interest for me and anime was starting to pick up again for me. So I, I feel like, you know, those other areas, especially again with Star Wars, a lot of Star Wars um, piqued my interest more. So that's where I, I deviated a little bit more from Doctor Who. But I mean, I'm excited. I mean, what do you think, you know, with Disney Plus picking it up, Bill? Honestly, like I, I, w- I want to know your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, I, it's not 100 percent clear because I, I feel I've heard that the back catalog remains on HBO Max. Um, however, I, I think I can be I could be wrong that the, it couldn't be any better for Disney Plus if the tenant episodes are going to show uh, there because everyone's now hyped because even Ben, who will remain quiet because he's never seen Doctor Who. Ben, you're a David Tennant guy. I am a David Tennant guy. Would you I mean, would would you be interested in watching a three episode arc of this long running sci fi franchise on Disney Plus if he's if he's in it? Yeah, I mean, three episodes I can get into, um, and then who knows? Maybe I get hooked from there and I continue. But if not, I just go with the three. But yeah, I mean. And it was my favorite part of Jessica Jones season one. And uh, what else? Like Fright Night. Like he's just incredible. Oh, I love stuff. Fright Night. Oh, yeah. What a good I'd movie. Deep cut. Good yeah, omens. So I'd, I'd good definitely omens watch too. Those. I only got through the first two episodes yeah. of Good Omens. But I really? wanted to get back It got to better. It. it got better. Yeah, and I love just, him and Michael Sheen. They're great. Yeah, but I, that was the thing where I just would start stuff and I wouldn't finish it. But uh, yeah, I think that's if they're if Disney's getting those, it's they've now caught the who fever again where it's just like oh everyone's interested again and then we're going to be going over to apparently according to headlines the first openly gay doctor which is pretty cool mm-hmm. and 
we're going to have a whole new adventure. And I think with Disney behind it, what a surprise. Uh, it, the production value is going to go up. Not that, and I always think that's a little bit of the charm of Doctor Who is some of the low budget stuff, but it can only mean more things and it can only up, open up the Who universe to, I think, probably more stars and more people wanting to be in it. I mean, if you look at the laundry list of people who have been in it, it's pretty wild. So uh, also Captain Tate, uh, who is on The Office, is going to be coming back as well. Uh, yes. She'll be on there. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a, it's a pretty good thing. I think uh, Disney scored a big one for 2023. And of course, you know, just keep tapping into that nostalgia for us oldies. Uh, let's move on to our next one for something Ben did watch. Uh, and that, he's like, well, yeah, not really, dude. Uh, there was a tweet that came out over the weekend from the official Ant-Man account uh, that was just like something big, or is it, is coming. And we're all like, oh, hello. And on Monday, we thought during Monday Night Football, but it was actually in the lunchtime, the trailer for Ant-Man Quantum Mania dropped. And of course, this is the new Ant-Man film, which is releasing, uh, I believe, Valentine's or President's Weekend in February, uh, right after the Super Bowl. Uh, this, The plot of this it finds the entire Lang family, including Cassie and the Van Dynes as well, uh, going back into the quantum realm. Uh, and Kang is uh, needs Scott to do a job for him. We see a whole new side of the quantum realm as well. So, Ben, I don't know your relationship with uh, Ant-Man and Marvel, really. Uh, so what are, your, what are your thoughts? Uh, are you an Ant-Man fan? Uh, I mean, if you're not, be nice because you'll break Al's heart. Uh, but <laughs> that guy used to steal my cable login to watch Ant-Man off of stars all the time. <laughs> I barely knew Al, and he's just like, hey, uh, do you have stars? I'm like, yeah, I got stars. He's like, can I get your cable log into the stream? And I'm like, you broke son of a bitch. And then, of course, I gave it to him because hell of a guy. Uh, so, yeah, your your history with Ant-Man, and what do you think about this trailer? Well, it's funny because you do actually know a little bit about my history with Ant-Man because it crossed my mind just two seconds ago that the very first thing that I ever wrote for you uh, to prove that I could string a few sentences together was like uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, review, which didn't actually publish. It was just kind of to try to introduce oh, myself to the site because uh, somebody else I think had already written the review. So that was my very first thing for uh, for you and Pop Rick. I remember uh, it so well. Of course you do. <laughs> I remember your first two things where you wrote about two movies in a row that are about dogs. Yeah, it was like Axel, and then it was like Alpha, Alpha or something. Or whatever. I remember that. Yeah, the first podcast you had me on, I think you referred to me as the guy that does the dog reviews. I was like, thanks. I'll thanks bring it back. I'll bring it back. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, but, so uh, what's, what's your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've seen all the Ant-Mans. I've seen most of, I think, almost everything that Marvel's done. Um, the most exciting thing for me from the trailer, aside from the uh, him, you know, thinking there was Spider-Man in the, in the trailer, that joke always works. Um, but Jonathan Majors uh, kind of connecting the, was it Loki series? And then coming into this and then obviously um, knowing that he's going to play a part in Avengers Secret Wars. That was that was the pop moment for me, I guess you would say. Hey, you said it. Yeah, I'm going to try to say that every episode now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, yeah, because Jonathan Majors, uh, so apparently there's the rumor that he is going to be shouldering, apparently Kang will be shouldering a lot of movies. He will be more apparently more fearsome than Thanos, which is pretty wild. Uh, Amanda, what's your thoughts on uh, the return of the Langs, the Van Dynes, and the Quantum Realm? Well, first of all, I love the trailer. Just visually stunning right off the bat. I was like, ooh, the Quantum Realm is, yeah. I was like, this is, this is, and and of course, 
Bill Murray. Who, uh, I mean, yes, 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 and yes. Um, I, I, what I liked about this is I feel like it gives Ant-Man more weight in terms of being taken a little bit more seriously. Like there's more at stake. Um, whereas I always felt like Ant-Man, the, the punchlines, the humor, the movies have always been really good. I've always enjoyed Ant-Man. But I, I feel like he's a little bit, there's always the comedic relief element that's there. And I feel like now we've bumped it to the next level for Ant-Man and for the next phase. And, um, you know, with, with Kang, I like the idea that he's going to be the, the overall arching baddie. And I was really intrigued about, and we, we've talked about this a little bit, what is he going to have Scott go for? Like, the, all the possibilities, there's so many different possibilities now that all of these other projects are out that Marvel has. And so... You know, we just had Werewolf by Night come out. You know, there's there's all these different things, all these different possibilities now. So I was really intrigued more than anything else coming out of the trailer. And just there's so many questions I have now. And I love that. I love that about Marvel. So there people are already theorizing, uh, given some of Kang's uh, accoutrement around him, that he has stolen uh, potentially that he needs the Ten Rings, that he potentially needs Kamala Khan's bracelet. Um, I know I've I've just regurgitated what Alex Marcus has said on podcast with me that uh, the Bloodstone might be something that's been used since that controls and defeats monsters. And we were introducing monsters because is Kang going to unleash monsters on the world? The hell of a way to do it. Uh, so I'm intrigued by this. And, uh, you know, we had the uh, trope we get in all movie trailers these days. It's like, hey, let's take this song, you know. And we're going to slow it down and make it creepy as hell. And this one was uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Yep. I thought that fit really well. Uh, I, I think you needed Ant-Man to have a little more stakes because we did see how the quantum realm was such a huge part of uh, Endgame. And, you know, he's he's in it now. I mean, he's an Avenger and, and this is some serious stuff here. So I'm glad, that, like you said, it's giving it more weight and that he means more. In. Um I know, like, Paul Rudd didn't have that many more films on his contract with Marvel, but, yeah, don't get rid of him because we kind of need him. I think we'll see Cassie as a young Avenger. I think that's where the future of the Ant world goes. But uh, you can't get rid of Paul Rudd. So, yeah, it's going to be coming out in February, and you bet we're going to be talking about that on a podcast. Another thing we'll be talking about the podcast is a trailer that I watch every morning as I get into the absolute dregs of humanity, which is my full-time employment. And my bosses don't listen to this, so I don't give a shit. Uh, is a uh, it's the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special trailer. This was actually leaked a little bit beforehand in a very low quality, I believe, on Wednesday. Um, so, of course, people don't know this is a, another. This is the second ever Marvel special. It's a long time coming. Uh, directed by the new head of DC Films. Uh, James Gunn, which I feel like uh, we're going to be talking about that at length maybe next week, uh, because that is that is sort of a big thing. Uh, but I've been looking forward to this. I mean, I saw Lego Advent Calendar set for this, and I, I've been really trying not to buy it for myself uh, because I just don't have room in my house for stuff at this point. Uh, and I still have Christmas for my daughter. Um, but yeah, this to me was the epitome of absolute joy. The only thing I and my, uh, our, our good buddy Al and I talked about was I didn't want them to do the big reveal in the trailer. And what that big reveal is, you go to the trailer, you'll see it. Uh, it's basically Star-Lord's bum that Gamora's not around. So <laughs> Mantis and uh, Drax go to Hollywood, get drunk, 
and try to kidnap Kevin Bacon. And I wish they hadn't revealed Kevin Bacon, even though he is now introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though he wasn't X-Men First Class and was awesome in that. Um, I just wish they hadn't given that away. But I feel like there's a lot more they're going to reveal here. Um, So, Amanda, I'm going to start with you. Your thoughts on this and how do you feel like this is going to connect to Guardians 3? Or does oh, it? This is what, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot since watching the trailer. First of all, I loved it. Seth, Seth loves it. I loved it. It 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 is a nice change. It's such a, it was such a joyful trailer. Yeah. Like it's just so feel good. Um, I just, I can't wait to see this right off the bat. And um, I don't know if Kevin Bacon is going to be the only big reveal. I feel like sometimes Marvel does things to, I don't know if they would necessarily put everything out on the line. I feel like they still maybe have something up their sleeve because it's Christmas. You give Christmas a little early, but you're still going to have Christmas, right? True. So I feel like there's something else there, even though Kevin Bacon's a really awesome, really awesome reveal. But um, I feel like there's something else there. So I'm holding my, I'm holding my breath, <laughs> um, but what do you think? I oh, know. Uh, ben, I was going to ask you, um, do you have Mark Andrews as your tight end in fantasy football? I do, in fact. Uh, he's, he might not come back. Uh, Thanks, man. Buddy. You want to keep asking me questions after you break my heart? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, well, so he ruined, he's ruining Christmas for you already. So what do you he's think of Grinch. the trailer? The Grinch of the podcast. Uh, well, that's true. Uh, so what's what do you think of this trailer? <sighs> well, um, yeah, I've, I've seen it once, approximately 20 minutes before we started talking. And uh, I see why you watch it every day. I was elated with it, and I'm pretty much off the bat. I think it's going to be my favorite Marvel thing ever. Uh, super smart with Christmas. I mean, they had a little bit of a tie-in with Hawkeye. Uh, but then now this was just a full-blown Christmas story. And I love Christmas movies and TV shows. So I think it's going to be great. And now we get uh, everybody in the Marvel Universe will be like one degree away from Kevin Bacon. So that is fantastic. Yes. I didn't think of that. That's wonderful. That's great. Tweet that out and and tag Kevin Feige. Do that. You know, your Twitter, you'll get exponential follows so they could just hear you talk about Eastern Carolina University. Um, East Carolina University. You no, know, listen. We'll I come just, after you for that one. I Listen, I gave it a little more panache. What can I tell you? Uh, I do think we get, uh, I do think we get a tie into Guardians 3. Like, I think the end might be just like, here's Gamora. This is where she is. And I think that even if maybe it's a post-credit scene, there's like, ah, we know where she is and this is where they're going to go. Or they get some sort of clue of where she's going to go or where she is. So I think that's going to be the big thing there. But next week we will talk about uh, the shakeup over in DC for sure. Now let's get to the main event and the thing Ben definitely watched a lot of. And uh, yeah, it's House of the Dragon season one. Now, season two, I believe, will be begin filming in the new year. Uh, so probably looking at a 2024 release on that, which is a little bit of a bummer. But in the meantime, we do have a hell of a lot to talk about here. Now, uh, Amanda, were, you were not on our House of the Dragon initial podcast, were you? Or were you? Yes, you were. Yes, you were. I guess I just re-listened to it today. I am like, yes, you yes. was. What a fucking yes, moron yes. I am. Uh, ben, were you on that podcast? No, you were. I was. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> ah! God damn it. I actually listened to it this morning. Uh, 
spending well, that's very distinct guys. voices. So we were on a, so we were all on a, a House of the Dragon podcast in August. How about that? Uh, I totally remember all of it. I definitely listened to my car this morning. Uh, God, now, I feel even, much better about you not remembering my Ant Man review now. <laughs> Did you guys? I don't even drink anymore, guys. And this is, I mean, maybe I should start again because, like, I can't remember shit. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's getting old. Uh, we started, we we're all fairly, I think, fairly okay on House of the Dragon. I don't think any of us was like, yo, House of the Dragon. We we're all like, all right. This is this is all right. We're we're getting there. We're all we're all positive. We're cautiously because the word I'm looking for here. Let's get into it and how we feel about it now. And what I'm going to start with is one of the hallmarks of this season was the time jumps. And I'm doing this because we already covered the ground of the young actresses and actors. We talked about Patty Constant. We talked about Risa Fons. We talked about how the world was set up. But midway through the show. They decided, you know what we're going to do? Let's replace Rhaenyra and Allison and make them like 10 years older. A pretty audacious move for a series that's just starting out. This was not season two, season three. Okay, they're older. Um, you know, so here's a new actor or actress. They did it within the first half of the season. How do you guys feel? that jump played because that is that is this was a move that could have made or broke the series so ben i'm going to start with you the recasting of allison and renera well i mean it was difficult because it's a show as you talked about we were kind of just cautiously optimistic going into it and then you start to kind of fall in love with a few of the people that are in it you get really invested and then you kind of get them pulled out from under you um and it's different than Game of Thrones because with Game of Thrones, you've literally got to see these people grow up for 10 years, like in front of your eyes. Um, and you don't get to do that with these, uh, you know, unless they're brutally murdered in Game of Thrones after like season two or three, you got to see them grow up. Which was a lot of people. Which was a lot of people. But the jump here makes sense because I know that they were trying to get to a point in the story. Uh, and so they kind of had told, I guess, what they wanted to tell with the younger versions and they wanted to, to get into the action. But it is a little jarring to see them, you know, replace two people like it's a freaking episode of like Family Matters or Fresh Prince or something like that. <laughs> but or how uh, Meg's voice just all of a sudden changed on Family yeah. Guy. But um, but I think it works primarily because they did a really good job with finding people that you could see become, um, you know, them like the younger version, the older versions. It was a good transition to the actresses that they chose. Uh, so in that regard, it works for me. Amanda, what about you? Did did this? How did this? jumped you know they've replaced um you know um <clears throat> pardon me uh i just totally blew it and <laughs> then the names here but millie alcock was replaced by emma darcy and um um allison you know olivia cook took over as uh allison did they work for you uh you know in this transition was it a seamless transition for you or did it take you a little bit of time to really kind of accept them as the, in the new roles I actually the transition for me was not bad um i feel like because both actresses you know the, the older actresses if you will really good um and very very natural in their in their parts um so and i also feel like because my my understanding is this is supposed to be three seasons correct i think or two well, in, to in total it, 
it's it's been renewed for a second season already. Right. I believe. Well, George R. R. Martin said it would be perfectly told in five, but I definitely know they have three in the bank. And you know, I think HBO is being cautious too. And I feel like I don't know if they're going to, given how it took a lot of us time to get over how Game of Thrones ended. Um, I think, I think HBO was being a little cautious too. So I, I felt like, well, maybe they're treating this as we have less seasons to work with. So, and I, I feel like the jumps were appropriate because I feel like they have, there's not um, as many moving pieces here as there are with Game of Thrones. There's not as many characters. Renee's story is out there you have the core characters and we, we spent the time enough time building them up. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to get to the meat of the story. And in case they don't make a second or a third season or fourth season or up to five seasons, they can still tell enough of the story to, to keep people interested. And I think keep people will keep it going in a dynamic way. Um, I mean, I'd be surprised honestly at the way they're time jumping, if it's going to make it to five seasons, I feel like three would be reasonable. Um, but I, mean, I think, you know, Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook just knocked it out of the park transition-wise. And I actually enjoyed the latter half of the season more because of them. Um, because they really, you know, the, the, the previous two actresses did a good job of establishing the initial relationship um, between Rhaenyra and Alicent. And then you see that change and really take a turn, you know, with our other two actresses. So I, I think it worked well for me um and it got it got us to where i feel like season two is gonna (laughs) i think one of the reasons it worked was because we also saw the younger actresses uh their final episode was you know another you know wedding gone awry because guess what guys no one could get married in this show without someone dying a terrible, terrible death. At least Mastodon was not in the audience for that one wet for this wedding, as they were for the wedding of Joffrey. It's all trivia for you if you didn't know. Uh, or is it Cigaros? I don't remember. I know both of them were in it at one point. <sighs> I'm terrible with these things. I know also Noah Syndergaard got burned alive by a dragon. So there's that. I can keep going if you want, guys. But anyway, my point You're is... You're very impressive. <laughs> someone has to say it. Um, but I think we had such a huge episode that ev- that they got their moments to have, you know, just have these, these big, final, dramatic moments in such a huge, kind of game-changing episode. Because remember, that episode was Alicent dressed in the green, of the high towers for, I believe the first time. And she walks through the wedding, like, fuck everybody. I'm here. Mm -hmm. And, and then we, we, so we have that. And then we have the very blatant, uh, display from Lenore that he was not really interested. Uh, and then Allison, you know, no, I'm sorry. Um, Renera basically kind of making out with her uncle, which is all just, all sorts and then you have the biggest incel of them all Kristen cole what a piece of shit um so yeah so you have so i think everyone got the big payoff so i think if they had just had one episode where it's just like all right they're just doing their thing and it's like they're gone then you're like oh well, that's weird i think they got a nice send-off uh do you guys agree with that or do you I feel do. Like got robbed a little bit it was it was a good point in the story in the story. Like you said, it was a nice transitionary point. And you know, she's getting married, so then they can jump ten years and then <laughs> obviously with them picking it up with a 
pregnancy birth scene right off the bat too it's like hey she's fully grown now okay we're gonna we're gonna just do one like i'm gonna jump ahead just for a bit i was gonna i was asking you guys for like what can they just not do anymore in this episode i'm just saying let's stop with the visual visceral bad births we don't need it i was there Amanda was there. We've seen yeah. childbirth firsthand. <laughs> no, please stop this. Uh, ben, I know you uh, are you don't have uh, progeny yet, but I, I could think you could get on board with this, right? Yeah, I mean, we, it was the main topic I think we discussed in the last one, like how disturbing uh, that first scene was that they showed on here. So then yeah, they had- it. They've done it like two more times. The, the last one was the absolute worst, too. They're progressively getting worse as they go. This, yeah, please stop. It's the worst part of the show by far. We get it. So, Amanda, you catch a lot of details. So my wife brought this up that, not saying you don't, Ben, but Amanda, you know, has a hyper-focus more than you or I. Um, they said that the ba- the baby, the final baby, there was scales mm-hmm. and a tail. Yes. Which I didn't realize just rhymed. Um, did you see this, or was this a whole bunch of bunk and hooey? No, I, I, there was a reason why they showed the baby the way they, they did, not just to I, I just thought they out. were just I, assholes. <laughs> well, that was my first thought when I saw the little, the little, I was like, okay, I don't know if I can, I don't. And then they showed, it was the head. The head looked almost reptilian. And then they, and I'm like, why are they showing the dragon now compared to the other? So that was and the they whole kept- Cross they kept cross cross cutting. Yeah. So it was, but that was such a weird feature to me because it's well, why out of all the children that she's had, does this one have a tie to a dragon? Like it's such a weird, you so know, kind of. But so apparently, uh, my wife did the research, not me. Uh, that this is a Targaryen. This is a Targaryen thing. If you know, two Targaryens have a child that. Uh, oftentimes they take on the characteristics of a dragon and apparently Daenerys, when she was born, had some of these characteristics. That's right. That's right. And I wonder, cause if the, the baby was supposed to be a girl. So I wonder if it's the females that, and I like the female Targaryens that have these, that have these features, but yeah, that's, that's my only thought was in probably trying to enhance that that fact or that relationship was, you know, we're going to flash your dragon flash. It was so long and so unnecessary. I'm like, they could have achieved the same in half the time without the dragged on labor. They could show ah, the, the dragged on. You know, it just, I know. <laughs> well, thank you for getting that. <laughs> but it, it, it was, it was so unnecessary. It's like, you could have shown maybe like a close up of the scale. Like you don't have to show the whole that was hard. That was hard. And just showing her like rocking the, Oh my gosh, that was, and have her having to wrap her bit. I'm like, I'm, I, this, this is so long and unnecessary. And it just, it was really hard to watch again. So, so game of Thrones. So house of the dragon creators. I know you're listening to this podcast. Just stop. You don't need to do it. We get well, the point. And the, tra- the treatment of women on this show, that's a whole different, it, it's, know. it's, it's so appalling because it's like, well, we're going to treat the women better on the show. We're going to we're going to write the characters better. But yet you're sticking these gratuitous, you know, scenes. And it's it's again, you don't have to subject characters to that treatment. If you're showing that they are strong women who survived tragedy, there are so many other ways. Like, again, in the, in the story, it's built in. 
it's built into the story. I mean, look at what happens with Rhaenyra. You know, I, I mean, her whole, <laughs> all of that is just one big tragedy. And I mean, if you look at what happened with Alice and she married somebody clearly she didn't want to be in the situation with. And, you know, everything that happens to their kids, their families, these are already really, and then look at um, Rainey's as well. I mean, you have strong female characters already developed. You don't need the gross factor. I agree. You don't need the gross factor there. Yeah, you could have literally just had like what they did some of which having her screaming in the background while right. they're trying to plan things out. Like you get that something terrible is going on. You don't need the visual representation on top of it. You could have, the only way you could have gotten it is if she had like, you heard all this and she has someone says that the baby didn't make it and you see it, her holding it and covering it up and you see the scales like it, right. like a dry and you're like, what the, f-? because I think it got lost in the moment of the shock and awe of it all. Yeah, because a lot of people were watching through their fingers because they don't want to see that. This guy didn't yeah, want me. to see it. Didn't want to see it. It was it. it so yeah, I. So Amanda, let me ask you this question because you brought it up. Do you think they, that was one of their big things? You're like, we're going to treat women better than they treated among Game of Thrones. Do you think that's true? By a hair. <laughs> By a hair. I, I. I still think there's some some areas of improvement, but I I mean it's definitely better in a way. But still, again, with these gratuitous types of scenes, this unnecessary, there's different ways to show strength. Yes, and to do it in a classy, tasteful way, and you know it it again, it's maybe by a hair, but it's still for me. They they still they still could do more. Yeah, I think that that scene takes you out of the finale in a bit. And instead of having, you know, we're talking about that more than we're talking to talk about like that final moment where she puts her foot down. and was like, we're going to war, essentially. Like, what are we remembering? We're remembering like, oh, the gross thing that we all hated. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Uh, now, let's get back to the, the time jumps. One of the things we had, we have a million kids here and they time jump the ages. To me, this was a weakness of the show because I could not keep up with what blonde Targaryen was who. And then we have the strong kids and then we have, you know, Damon and uh, his first wife's kids. And then we have Damon and Rhaenyra's kids. And I'm just like, I don't know who is who. Did you guys have a hard time with this? And do you think the time jumps of the ages just really kind of was a uh, do you think this detracted from the show? Because I think it did. Uh, Amanda, you go first. Absolutely. I forgot there was a third strong kid. <laughs> what? There's a third strong kid? There was. There was three little boys in the, <laughs> the funeral or the, the, towards the end. I think it's right before they have everybody gathered and there's, there's three. I want to say it's for the funeral for the baby to have the three strong boys. And I'm like, well, where are the other two kids? It's supposed to be five. I think she's supposed to Rainier is supposed to have five total. And then yeah. it, it does a disservice because especially for the girls, from what I remember from reading the story, um, Damon's Damon's girls has one of his daughters, Bela, I think is her name. Yes. She's going to be very key in the war. And you don't get that unless they really do a good job of, of redeeming that. And same with um, her oldest, uh, Rainier's oldest boy. Again, I don't even remember the names at this point because there were there were so many kids. But her oldest strong boy, um, and then of course now we know Amond, you know, with from a uh, um, what uh, Alice's second boy and Aegon and all that. But there, is, uh, some of these kids have important parts, 
in the second season and the way that they've time jumped, you don't really form that relationship or you don't really have that understanding that, Hey, yeah, these kids are kind of important going down the line. So I thought the time jump did them a disservice, but Mela has a big part. And they don't spend it. I don't, uh, Ben, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, totally agree. Uh, it's too many people to keep up with. And I think that, you know, every kid that's been on the show is there for maybe an episode and then they get time jumped and they have like just a few scenes. So I don't think it's that important that you can really keep up with them. It seems more like they're not that interested in making them important until they're a little bit older. Uh, so they're just kind of glancing over a few things. And then if you do get any amount of time spent with one of the kids, it's probably not going to go well. <laughs> Jason, um, I think he looked like a little Jonas brother that got, you know, nuked in the end. But apparently, tell me I'm wrong. I mean, you're not wrong. That was that was probably one of the most brutal. Oof. We'll get into that one. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll get into um, that. I think that uh, one of the things, too, is like you said, Ben, it's just like we didn't get enough time with these kids to even know who they were outside of, you know, one eye McGee. Like he was the one we all knew. We're like, oh, he's we got a lot with Aegon because we saw him get the big dragon. We saw him get his eye cut out. He got the Nick Fury special like we got. We saw all of that. It wasn't a cat, but, you know, spoilers if you didn't see Captain Marvel. Um we talked about that. Let's talk about the one character who one thing that bothered one character that bothered me that never looked like he aged was Otto Hightower. Risa Fons looked the same in episode one and the finale. I think he actually got more hair by the finale than he did there. But the one character we're going to talk about who aged for the worse was uh, the guy I like to call Skeletor now. Uh, that was King Viserys. Holy shit. <laughs> um, I bring him up in particular because my opinion is I think Patty Considine of the male actors, uh, male performers, I should say, gave the best performance. But do you think the character they kept, <laughs> did they keep him on for too long? Because it was just like, it was like, literally, let's put a hat on a hat with him with how like, well, it's like, well, his eyes falling out. Well, this week he's got a hole in his cheek. And this week, well, <laughs> the other arm's gone. Uh, do you feel like they, the Viserys thing was drawn out? Or do you think it was uh, perfect for the effect that they were going for of the, was there more of a allegorical kind of, or metaphorical, I should say, um, to his, uh, disintegration it was it was like a metaphor for the kingdom do what do you guys think yeah ben i'll start with you well they did a big time jump with him too like because you saw him at one point and he was like obviously you're not doing well you're losing fingers and you know this is falling apart but then when they time jumped the next time you see him in like half his face is obviously gone and he's what he looks like and he gets the little was like last kingdom deal where you're wearing a mask over half your face and (laughs) yeah it was um it was interesting yeah i he did an incredible job portraying that and being able to somehow act his way through those scenes. But I think it worked for me mostly because of the payoff that you got, because you saw how terribly off he was. He can barely like whisper anything, but then, you know, he knows how important him coming out and making a public display and, uh, you know, backing, you know, her claim. So he gets that whole doors thrown open. Nobody's seen him probably for like years. And then he walks out there and, and gives his you know speech and, I think it worked because of the payoff. And so I think that's why they had to keep him around. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if he just lived another couple, <laughs> if he lived through another time jump, I don't want to know what he would have looked like at that point. 
he just would have been a ghost at that point. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh, hang on. Uh, uh, so, yeah, we have we have <laughs> King Viserys. And Amanda, I want to go to you on this question. How did you feel during the deathbed scene where he starts mumbling about the Song of Ice and Fire to Allison? For me, I was like, fuck, this is going to be how we get like, everything gets screwed up. <laughs> You know, um, how did you feel about talk? Go talk to me about your emotions during that scene. I had a feeling they had to give some kind of opening. I, I figured that no matter what happened with her being there with him alone, her ambition was eventually going to seep through. And it was you could see that growing and growing at, or during her time on the show, her change if you will. And I think even as, as Rhaenyra's friend, she was always, she still had a little bit of the ambitious streak in her. Um, it just went in a different direction. I mean, there was, I, I, I feel like again, once she married, there you go. Um, so I figured it was going to happen anyway, but I, I really give credit, you know, cause Patty, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like I was already kind of like, <gasps> because it's him. And his acting, even with the skeletor face going, which <laughs> you're I, breathing like that because you you're know, like, oh, I'm gonna inhale the. This, this well, disease. I kind of wonder if they did it on purpose to make him look that way because they're like, well, you know, he's so he's doing so good acting wise. Maybe if we kind of like knock him a little bit, it might help everybody else out. Um, because every all, See how all good these, you really are, Patty. We're gonna take yeah. your eye out. Well, I mean, Close. you know, they said they say the same thing about Cooper Rush possibly throwing the game for Dak. You know, so I mean, you know, um, for the Cowboys. Boys. but i hope uh, i hope the cowboys <laughs> throw every game that, maybe they asked no, him no I they might ask patty defense. like what's your good side and then they're like we're gonna take it <laughs> <laughs> what do you do I, but, well it's gone <laughs> but, but i mean it it was such a it was a powerful scene but it also gave the the excuse that you know it gave him it, it just made the 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 way the war started off so much more tragic and, you know, because what if Rhaenyra had sat there? What if it was her that was there? How different would things be? Would there be, would there be tons of dragons still and all of that? But yeah, I had a lot of emotions through that, through that scene. And I have my own thoughts too. And I know we'll talk about this later on what happened with the dragon fight. Cause I have a whole thing there, but, Good. but this, this was, this, this was again a really powerful scene and it was just really really sad because again if things happen different how different would this all turned out that's the tragedy in game of thrones if you are that the game of thrones house of dragons lore if you will well you might have been about to say it too but i mean i don't know if it would have changed anything because apparently they had this whole like you sort of oh, yeah. thing and planned anyway so regardless of what she comes back whether she felt justified or not they were like so this is what's happening <laughs> we've been planning this for years well, I thought shit was going to go sideways the moment he left the dinner table. And that was such a tragic scene there because that's where I thought everything was going to fall apart because he gives this great final, you know, you know, Marlon Brando and the guy look, look at my family. Oh, you know, it's just like, he's just like, yeah, that's my, it's just far. It actually sounded like Popeye, not Marlon Brando, but it's just like, it's just like, oh, it's kind of like, uh, come on, look at my family. And it's, so he's like, um, so he, I swear I don't drink it. Oh, uh, that's on par with my Yoda impressions from. Uh, no, no, that is still the best. Uh, thing I want to hear it. I've already done it. We, you were there. Uh, we'll I want to we'll, hear it again. We'll get it before the end of the episode. Okay. We'll get it before the okay. end of the episode. Um, I promise. I might forget. Amanda, remind me. Uh, is so. 
is that he was like, I'm so happy. My family, look, my family's all back together. Everything's great. Or even Royal Tenenbaum. Oh, I've got my family back together. Ah, I saved, I saved them from a sinking ship. And the moment they leave, uh, uh, Aegon's like, Hey, you who took my eye, I'm going to murder you. And everyone else is looking at each other. Like the one guy's like, Hey, I want to do your wife. And the other one's like, not if I do yours first. It's just like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, Oh my God, it's going to turn into just like, everyone's going to start grabbing knives and killing each other. Like, that's what I thought was going to happen. But that moment where he just starts telling the thing that he's kept a secret from, which then plays into the finale with Damon, who gets big, man. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that. He got a little, he got a, got a little handsy there. Um, that we now see, like, this whole thing is just all based on a misunderstanding. And it's, that's the worst part of it. Um, one thing that you brought up, Amanda, that I wanted to say was Allison and her ambition. I feel like for me, I, I mean, besides having a huge crush on Olivia Cook, you know, I'm happily married, but come on. She's, she's something, she's, she's a nice, respectfully, respectfully. She's a nice I, I get it. I get a Matt like Smith a, over here. Matt Smith, I have, I'm happy in my relationship and I, I'm Matt Smith. Just I, respectfully, I she seems like a nice lady. Uh, so what I'm saying is like, I felt like, I could never get a full read on her. And it wasn't a bad thing about her ambition. It was just like, was she ambitious in the beginning? Because I felt like she was just trying to make her dad happy. And then I felt like she wanted to make her friend happy. And then at the end, it's just like, no, I'm going, I'm going to stick to my family. I was, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I know if it's this her ambition or is it just she's looking out for the people everyone else but herself i don't know sell me on this guys because i really don't have a definitive answer here and i did not put this on the run sheet so that's me well i i just feel like in the beginning allison has hope like rainera does i mean they're they're young girls you know you think about the world is in front of you like there's you know yeah world marriages you know it's kind of far away um, so I feel like, you know, they have dreams, they have ambitions. I mean, Rainera, of course, wants to be, you know, she's, she's the heir. She knows that. And, and I feel like Allison was just kind of optimistic, full of hope. We'll kind of see, kind of see where it goes. And she's happy with her friend. You know, she thinks she has a good relationship with her dad and, you know, everything. She's just like nice, normal teenager. Right. Right. And then, and then I feel like her ambition changed to, to, pleasing her dad and taking care of the family which again that was more to please dad it wasn't necessarily her direct ambition it was that people pleasing part of her but really i feel like you see it come through like this is my moment i want this for my kids uh, okay. and just you know i'm gonna do what i'm gonna play a little bit more cutthroat and you see her do that even with her relationship with um the guy with the foot fetish i forgot his name oh don't worry yeah. Um, yes. Yes. That guy. I think, Lar- um, I think it's, his name is Laris. Yes. Yes. And that guy, he's the foot fetish guy for me from now on. Cause that was, that whole scene was just weird, but um, <laughs> here's a guy uh, with a cane and a limp and a weird yeah. thing on his foot as a foot fetish. And maybe it's yeah. not that weird. Anymore. I mean, it's not that, but again, it's, but it's game of Thrones or house of dragon. It's, uh, like where they're going to throw something and throw, we'll, we'll throw another bone in there. Right. Gross. Um, yeah, <laughs> but oh, you see that, yeah, but you see that in her being able to deal with him and utilize him, even though she is, oh, you know, feeling pangs of guilt and that kind of thing. 
I mean, she's doing it for her kids at this point and for her, her family and for her boys. And she's going to do as parents, you're going to do whatever you need to do to make your kids, put your kids in a better situation in life. Some people just do it a little bit more unhandedly than others, I guess. <laughs> some people say that by some people, I mean my wife, that Allison is the precursor to Cersei. What do you think about that? I haven't been able to make that jump yet. I think Alison Renera, like if given the time to just sit down and make the decisions themselves, like calmer heads would prevail, uh, you know, whether it goes one way or the other. So I, I don't know. I feel like as Amanda was talking about, it was mostly just to please her father to a point. And then once she did have kids, um, you know, she did start to get in her head. But I think even early on, it was more of just I need them to become king because of survival, because they thought maybe the other side would kill them. So there was like, well, we've got to be the ones to you know, to strike first. And so I thought it was a little bit more self-preservation um, for the family. I don't know necessarily that she's made that jump yet, but you know, she, I'm sure that there'll be plenty of actions that will eventually get us there. And obviously at the end of this episode, like strikes out any possibility of calmer heads prevailing. Oh, I don't think calm, the only heads that will prevail are the ones. It's just a on misunderstanding. It, it, I think it's just head, beheadings is what's going to happen. Um, so this one of the wild things about the show was every week, pretty much this show had a massive ratings increase, like exponent, like solid percentages. And it was one of the most it was the finale was on par with the height of Game of Thrones finales and like final season Game of Thrones. But they were shattering records. I might be jumping ahead with this question, but um, I feel because I just want to ask before the finale. What do you think? What is it about this show as the weeks went on that you think that more and more people got into? What is it about this? Because it's a lot different than Game of Thrones. It's not epic battles. It's not a lot of hot naked people. It's like it's not a lot of bloodshed. It's not funny. It doesn't have Peter Dinklage being charming as shit. And that's what people from New Jersey are. Um, and like, so what was it about this show that do you guys think that just saw like an increase in ratings? Because remember that debut was pretty huge. It was like uh, nine, 10 million people were watching or more. No, it was over 20. I don't know. I'm not a journalist. I'd wait. I am a journalist, not a mathematician. Strike that. Um, this is, this is a thing I do. Uh, so what do you, what do you think this increase in popularity was led to? Because we also don't have these, John, we don't have a Jon Snow. We don't have a Daenerys that just struck these pop culture moments either. So Ben, I'm going to start with you since you're going to be like, oh, fuck Bill, why do you start with me? Uh, no, I mean, I think it really just comes down to people were a little apprehensive like early on to jump fully on board with something because of how Game of Thrones ended to a lot of people and they didn't like it. So I think it's just been word of mouth and then checking the ratings and looking at social media and whatnot and seeing everybody talk about it. And they're like, well, damn, maybe the show is good. I'll give it a shot. Mm -hmm. And then they get a couple episodes in, um, you know, kind of get caught up and then they're watching it as it debuts versus, you know, binging it all at once. So I think it just needed to have a few episodes out and have people not say that they hate it, you know, and then everybody kind of gets on board with it. At the end of the day, like, I don't think it's, well, we'll talk more about it, but I don't think it's that different than season one of game of Thrones was. So uh, I, I think that, yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's what a lot of people really liked about Game of Thrones early on. And uh, so now they're bought in again. So it's just getting bigger. And next season's first episode is going to be huge. And as you, I didn't realize it was doing, you know, the numbers that it's doing that you just pointed out, but it makes sense to me. Sometimes I do research for this podcast. It's not always correct. 
Or at least I you do it. do it. I just say do it. Uh, this is what happens when you're 131 episodes in. Uh, Amanda, what do you think is, what do you think, do you agree with Ben on this one? That it's just people really needed that vote of confidence that's like, hey, this actually doesn't suck? I think so. I agree with Ben made a good point. And I feel like, you know, social media, um, the, the positive or at least, you know, more of the, the you know, discussions on theories and more, I think having more people say, yeah, this is a really good episode. This is a really good show. Um, you know, it is, it, you know, it, it's made a difference. It's made a difference. And I think just even the quality of the story itself, you know, people are hearing the buzz about, oh, you know, you, you're seeing more dragons. Um, <laughs> you know, than you did in, in the earlier, um, season, I'm sorry, that is Seth Rebus over here in the background and my mother. <laughs> so I apologize for that. It's a little animal house here. Uh, I've got dragons here too. Um, but I, I feel like having, um, you know, having more prevalent dragons and having more action scenes and, you know, I feel like having some of the big names that were that were here, you know, again, Matt Smith carrying a lot of weight, Patty Constantine carrying a lot of weight. I think you have all of those different factors that came in. And again, as the story got told and fleshed out and just got stronger and stronger and stronger, um, you really had people tune in more because of it. These last episodes were really just hooked you. And I think that's what kept people coming back. I'm going to actually say that one other thing that that helped was I think the time jump for the lead actresses, because now it felt more like um, Emma Darcy and um, oh, and um, Christ, Bill, uh, you just said you had a she was, she was number one in your heart right now. Um, and Olivia Cook were they felt like classic Game of Thrones performers. Like they felt like, boom, these people were in it from the, from the minute they like George are, they jumped off the page of a George R. R. Martin novel, just like Ned Stark, just like Jon Snow, just like Daenerys. Like they are the straw that stirs the drink. They are the reason you watch. And then also Matt Smith kind of remember in the beginning we talked about, I was like, well, can he really be this really crappy guy? And then we turns out that Damon is this really, complex kind of charismatic character you you get into and so you're like okay and then they got their own little finger now with you know old old footski mcgee and so it's like all these kind of classic game of thrones characters archetypes are now there and they're filling that void and you're like oh this is the parts of the show i loved minus the shitty ending so now you have these characters that feel like hey uh, the show I want is back. I think that has a lot to do with it. But you guys are right. I think a lot of it has to do with it was just the cautious optimism that a lot of people had. And they just needed intrepid travelers like us to go watch every single week. So let's get into that final episode. Now, one thing that it was a little different, the structure than the normal Game of Thrones season, which is the penultimate episode is always the big action um, episode, whether it's, um, you know, the wall, it's, um, I want to say river run, but that's not right. It's where they had the big, uh, zombie. The first time we saw the white black water, oh, no, no. black water was another one. We yeah. had the one where all the zombies break through for the first time. Um, which oh. I can't, it was that town. I just can't remember the name of it, but that was an episode nine. Uh, the, then, oh, the pen, penultimate episodes have always been the big, blockbuster episodes this year 
this season, this show, it was not that. It was the death, I believe it was the death of Viserys was what we had. I'm just going to double check that. Yeah, yeah. just the death of Viserys. And there's like, um, they were trying to install Aegon as king. That's the episode. How did you guys feel about not having that jaw-dropping huge set piece for the penultimate episode like we're used to in Game of Thrones? Amanda, I'll start with you. I think in the context of this story, I was okay with it because in, again, her story's out there and you know what happens. And it was more about how well, for me, how well were they going to execute it and were they going to change anything? Um, and, and I feel like, again, there's not as many moving pieces as there, were, there was in Game of Thrones because you had so many moving pieces and right. parts of of you know the the whole of the seven kingdoms that you're touching whereas here you're you're fairly confined and you're confined to again with just within the targaryens and you have some mention here's some of the starks here's some of the lannisters but they're they're just mentioned or they kind of make sporadic appearances here and there and they haven't really made as much of an impact yet and so i th- i think in the context of this setting up uh the stage for what's to come I was okay with it because then that to me means the rest of the show should be much more fast paced. And we're starting because even this, this last episode cliffhanger was like, boom. Okay. This is what I'm a little bit more used to with game of Thrones, you know, in in that, in that context. But I I feel like this is, even though it's still within the same universe as, as we term it, it's still a different story and it's already written. Whereas game of Thrones was coming out and was still in the works, if you will, with the books and all of that. Um, you know, as it was still being fleshed out. And, and again, there's, it's just mo- more pieces. Whereas again, you hear, you hear with a fairly defi- more defined story. And I, so I was okay. It worked for me in the context of, of this, if, at least being more confined than game, than the actual original game of Thrones. I'm going to take a, a page from Ben here, who just had something before that I really agreed with. This reminded me of a lot of season one where what was the big moment from season one? It was the execution of Ned Stark. There was no, as far as I can remember it, no, it has been over 10 years since I've watched season one. There was no huge battle. It was, we're preparing for war. So very, very similar. And you had the big moment here of it's Viserys is dead. Now we mourn and now it's the fallout. And that what the show was really about, I'm sorry, what this season was really about, it was the, as you said, Amanda, the literal Game of Thrones. So that made, but we do get that big moment in the finale that we will talk about because it's pretty fucking cool. Ben, what do you do? Uh, I made you sound really smart, so you're welcome. Um, because it was a great point. What uh, what do you? Were you okay with there being no spectacle, no huge like sizzling moment in that penultimate episode? Yeah, yeah, I was. I mean, for the exact same reason you just said, I think it's on par with what Game of Thrones season one was doing. I just think so many people were like myself and they picked up Game of Thrones a few seasons in. So from your memory, because of all those huge epic scale battles, you just thought that that was Game of Thrones all the time. But it, it really wasn't early on. It was more about like establish the characters, kind of give you the lay of the land and, you know, do a little character building. And, you know, then you kind of gradually work up into this amongst all the politics that eventually it comes to a head. And then there's some big, you know, battle. But um, so I think that this season perfectly kind of stuck to that formula and it was doing the, you know, the same thing. The only difference is, you know, you behead Ned Stark, who everybody had the impression was going to be like the biggest character in the entire series. 
has a pretty big impression on you. Um, killing off a kid that, <laughs> you know, yeah. is kind of been time jumped a few times it's and you know, has a few minutes. Yeah. yeah. You, you foreshadowed the whole thing. Like the entire episode is like, why are we spending so much time with this kid? That can't be good. <laughs> so let's get to, let's get to uh little Jace Jonas over there. He, who, um, so let's, let's even start with before that, where his mom is like, you know what? I'm going to let my kids fly dragons to like far off lands to recruit uh, allies. What do you think of that plan? Um, as a mom, Amanda, what do you, what do you oh. think? <laughs> I, it was one of those moments where I just, I think I sat there and I just did this shaking my head slowly because for one thing, your oldest boy is your heir. Why would you risk your heir and sending them into, I know you're saying, oh, I'm going to send him to family, but everybody knows that everybody, you know, it's, a, it's a, everybody knows that people play nice when they want to, they gossip behind your back. You know how the web works, the little spider web works. You know how these it's, families are. It's not even that. They literally lit up a friggin' lava table and they're like, okay, who are we related to? You don't yeah. think the other people have a map? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, your map's probably not as cool. No, yeah, no. I mean, that is a fact. I mean, no one's ever going to have a map that cool. I mean, I'm like, I, I want that table. I actually asked my wife to get out of the table. She's like, well, clean out the garage. There uh, you no, go, like, right? <laughs> fine. Fine. Yeah. If I get my lava map table of the Jersey Shore, it's fine. Uh, but and I, I, you know, I wonder if she would have sent them if she didn't. I, I sometimes got the feeling that she didn't want to appear weak. Because, you know, if you, if you, Rainier didn't want to appear weak. Because, I mean, she was already being challenged by Damon. You know, she was already in an emotional place having lost her daughter. And, you know, most, most of the time when you're a woman in a male-dominated environment, you're not going to especially want to show weakness or what people perceive as weakness right. when you're perfectly normal emotions. Um, you know, and, and you have all these men judging you, especially for her being the first female Oh, they judged the they shit. They totally judged her. And so I feel like under any other circumstances, she would not have sent her boys. She would not have done it. Maybe her oldest. But knowing how visibly shooken up her, young, her Jace, little Jace Jonas was, I don't think she would have sent him at all. And, and I know her intentions were good, but I thought it was a mistake for her to send them. And then, yeah, she, we all learned that lesson very, very quickly. Ben, what you, uh, this decision to send the kids, do you think it was just, do you think it was, she was just trying to be like, listen, I don't want to go to, was it, it was a, was it a matter of being strong? Or was it was a matter of not wanting to go to war right away. Cause you know, Damon was like, he was like, I'm ready. Let's shed some blood because you know, we saw he's batshit crazy and will basically fight a whole army by himself like a moron he almost won uh had it not been for a dragon um well, yeah. sorry my wife just texted me she's like my your daughter just took cough medicine now i know how it looks like when she's gonna take a shot when she's 21 i'm like oh boy <laughs> much like her dad uh so what do you think uh, was this a matter of peace or was this a matter of power for her um, well, I think it was just you're trying to make a gesture of goodwill by sending somebody important rather than just dropping a raven or sending somebody that you know has no really authority. So I, I think it was just more of a power move and trying to appeal in that way. Um, in hindsight, obviously not a good idea, 
but it was also like she wasn't going to do it initially. It was the boys that kind of stepped up and said, send us dragons are faster than, than Ravens. So, I mean, they volunteered themselves. She could have shut it down. She can obviously do whatever she wants. Um, but in reality, the fact that she delayed so long while Damon was like, hey, we need to get out there and start recruiting immediately. Like that was ultimately what the problem was, because if they had sent a Raven or sent somebody else you know, earlier, um, it would have been a timing issue with uh, obviously two people showing up at the same time. One of them coming empty handed and the other one coming saying, like, hey, I'll marry whoever you want. <laughs> Come fight for us. So, uh, yeah, not a not a good choice. Not a good choice. And I wonder if also was man to go back to your point where about power too was asserting the kids the boys power because they were always looked at as well you know they ain't they ain't lanor's kids we all know that they look like that dude and uh it cuts to the burnt corpse of uh sir strong um you know extra crispy for him uh so it's was it do you think it was also to help her establish her kids kind of like like you were saying about allison like not the not the ambition for herself at that point, but the ambition for her kids to have that moment or to have the future for them, like to be bona fide type deal to show like these are heirs. No, I mean, that's a that's a really good point. That's okay. a really, really good point. I mean, that's I, I can see that I can definitely see that because you're right. I mean, they've been shattered by whispers and there's that whole scene where you know a is it amen or Aegon? i forget no amen amen who lost the eye but it, you know he's talking oh, about well everybody knows and i moody from harry potter Same yes guy. yes Same there guy. we go um you know he calls it out in front of a bunch of people and i mean that all stuff stays all the time and that stuff stays so i mean that's a, that's a really really solid point about you know what yeah i'm going to send a message y'all can talk all this talk even though we know low-key what's going down <laughs> but I'm going to keep up appearances and no matter who their dad is, the, these are the heirs. Exactly. And here we are. So they're going to do, we're, we're going to put that, that rumor to, to rest here. Um, and I, I think that's a really excellent point. She did give the youngest one, like the shortest flight that was supposed to be easier. But I mean, did you see the weather? Like she has Seriously. to know the storm land is always like a complete shit show. Right. So like he's don't... going to storm's edge. He's, storm's he's, edge yeah. he's not going to partly cloudy, uh, right. but it's just, so let's talk about uh, Jace Jonas over here. Um, there's a great uh, clip online where they said, this is what should have happened where he walks off, gets off his dragon, sees uh, Aegon's dragon. And then just did oh, they just reverse the tape and he flies away. Um, that dragon sequence, when I talked about the lack of the big sizzling explosive spectacle, do you think uh, I think that was replaced by this dragon sequence? Because I'll be honest with you, outside of the wall episodes and uh, and the um, the Battle of Winterfell. I think this is one of the most impressive visual things I've ever, I've seen in this universe. I am known for hyperbolic statements. Do you guys think this is a, the definite one? Your thoughts on that whole sequence and how he got really fucked up. Um, okay. I'm going to ask this in multiple questions. So Ben, I'm going to go with you first. I want, because there's three parts to this question, Ben, your overall thoughts on that scene. I mean, yeah, visually fantastic. I mean, that's what we wanted to see eventually. And I think that's what we're going to get a ton in season two is just dragons fighting each other. Uh, and we got to see it a little bit in Game of Thrones once one of them went bad. But um, 
But yeah, this was the most impressive thing that we've seen, obviously, this season. And then it just gives you a little bit of taste of what you're probably going to be able to see all season two and, and moving forward with the show. Uh, you know, the fact that it was pouring down rain and you kind of get like flashes of lightning, a little bit of visual, and then you're darting it out of the caves and where the hell is that thing? It's it's amazing and suspenseful. It was my favorite thing that I've seen in a while because like you were talking about those battle sequences, you're edge of your seat. And I was definitely edge of my seat for this, trying to root on poor little Arax. Fly, oh, baby, fly. That, yeah, I'm glad you remember the dragon's name because I didn't. Um, my question is, the other part is, he could, Aegon couldn't control the dragon. He kept saying, listen to me. Listen to my commands. Talk about how you feel this is going to play into the future. Oh, man, I know you're dying to answer this one. How this is going to play into the future of the series. Like, the dragons can't be tamed even though they say they can't be so ben what do you think about this uh this uh wrinkle and the whole plan of this uh battle of dragons this dance of dragons as one would say yeah i mean neither dragon was listening to its you know master you know or its rider uh they were both kind of doing their own thing once they were antagonized enough but i mean it, it, it obviously pays off the line um you know about like it's an illusion that they control the dragons uh that was said like earlier so there was a way of paying that off, I think. And, and yeah, I mean, you, you get that picture anytime you see one of the, you know, the riders kind of timidly approach the dragon, like, Hey, don't eat me. Remember me? Like we're friends. And then, you know, they, you feel like at any turn, it's like somebody trying to keep a tiger, you know, in your house, like any minute it could just decide it's done with you. It's so that's like, what I wasn't a whole Netflix or Peacock thing about that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amanda, you're dying to answer that question. So I am. I, I have a real heartburn with the whole, well, technically the war. So, I mean, yes, we were already on edge and maybe Rainera was going to, you know, work out some peace terms, who knows, but we can't really do anything because the dragons accidentally fought each other. I don't, I don't know if I, if I like that this is all starting because the dragons, it's like, well, dragons are being dragons. It's going to have repercussions. Whereas in the book, um, Eamon deliberately kills little Jay Stonis. That's such a big departure. And I, I, that would make sense to start a war over. And I think it softens. We know this guy is, you know, he's the one that's like, I'm going to be murdering you because I need my eye. And he's obsessed with the whole loss of his eye. I I know, but at the same time, why back off from that? I think I would have been okay if he was like deliberately chased him with a dragon and then just, even though it was pretty terrible. <laughs> like I was like, ooh, when he, I was like, oh. I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's probably like, the, I was like, this is straight up. Wow. That kid just, you just don't see that happen to kids. No, <laughs> Anything I, straight up savage. I mean, even just the bot. Yeah. That well, even the dragon like, too. We've never yeah, seen a dragon brought down. Pieces, just in the pieces like falling to the ground. That was savage. But, um, but I just, I feel like that was such a, that was such a lost moment. Because this war, reading it in the books, and then, of course, we're going to see it come to life, is deeply personal. And I feel like you removed that element. You spent this whole time talking about this. There's so much personal tension. These relationships were spoiled. They were good in the beginning. You had this moment where where things could have been better. And then you soften this guy that y'all have built up, you know, to, to, to know that he was going to do something dastardly. And... 
he's like, oops, I couldn't control my dragon and we couldn't control the dragons. And that's how this war is going to start. Cause you know, it, 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 it was dragons being dragons. I see, I see your point on that, but I guess maybe it's because of the decision. And I don't know if it's different in the book where the misunderstanding about the song and ice and fire is, is that still in the book too? Oof. Uh, because if I that, think it is. Because I guess that's kind of going with the back. whole thing. I feel like they're trying to make it so it was the misunderstandings keep leading to the war. And now it's Rhaenyra is pushed to this was going to happen. But also kind of like maybe, I mean, you could have said Aegon wanted to kill him hand to hand. But it's also maybe showing Aegon is he's not the, or it, maybe they're, I'm just, this is all hypothetical that they maybe are going to say like, no, it's Allison and Rhaenyra. They're the ones who are going to control the fate of this war. It's not going to be the powder keg isn't going to be lit because of the dastardly act of this boy. It's because the two moms are going to go at it. Maybe that's what they're going for, but, oh, but it's definitely the- weird. Like you said, like Are- it, it's on character for Aegon to want to murder. Well, somebody. And in the books, the, these families go at it. These kids, like they, they tear each other up. They did um, in the that books. One scene. Oh yeah. And, and they just, they're going to, they're going to keep, they're going to keep doing it. Um, in fact, that the, the, the fact that they're able to fight each other, um, and you know, it's like, it, and put aside that their family, they're, they're like, well, we're, it, it's it, this is survival mode here. It's going to be survival of the fittest. Um, you know, you, you, you have, I almost feel like you, it's, it's just, it's a weird way to go into it when you have to be that bloodthirsty to survive a war. I almost kind of like the change, like that they made Eamon, like not be able to control the dragon and that's what started it just because it gives him a little bit of like you don't necessarily 100% hate him as a character yet i mean you could if you wanted to and he's obviously set up as a villain and he was antagonizing but i mean he's gone through some trauma too <laughs> but uh, i feel like if you remember after we watched like the first two episodes we were thinking like damon was the maybe potentially the bad guy of the the season and then now we're kind of rooting for him at times too so everybody goes through little waves everybody's still got like a tinge of humanity and like you can root for them in some respects outside of like foot fetish guy uh you you, yeah fuck that guy (laughs) definitely fuck that guy but uh everybody else you still can be on board with a little bit and i think it saves that for the same character versus if he completely went into it and intentionally killed him then you're like all right he's the bad guy uh we're not on their side anymore so it it gives you still the ability to choose sides a little bit yeah let's just say it's about foot fetish guy is he like the the guy everyone's like no 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 redeemable qualities for this guy he fried his own family and then it was like oh you know well let's just burn this jail full of people um i think he's the most unredeemable character of them all Kind of like little finger, like little finger is a piece of shit. Like, I I think he is the little finger of oh, this yes. season. I mean, he knew about he has to be. He knew about the spy network. I mean, I think I think you always have to have a little finger character of some sort when you're dealing with spies. There always has to be some kind of underhanded because spy circles are supposed to be, especially at that time, I think like creepy and like you know kind of underground and kind of ugh, you don't really shouldn't use them. They're unspoke. And and I feel like having this guy again is the little finger type of capacity. Uh, continues that tradition yeah, yeah. I, I well they would call him little foot but that would kill the land before <laughs> literally oh, all of us. oh no exactly. we, thank you <laughs> we cannot do that who was the other spy the head of spies in the game uh oh game of thrones oh that's right oh, Var- uh, uh, Varys. 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 yeah okay yeah, yeah i couldn't remember i'm like it's a v um 
And then every character's got the same name. There's like 13 of everybody. I know. There's, yeah, God. Just like Targaryens, name them something different. It's like everyone in my family's name is Bill. It's just how it is. Um, so let's uh, let's get into the superlatives, let's get into the awards. Let's talk about what in this season was the best episode. Ben, I'm going to start with you first. Uh, naturally. Um, <laughs> naturally unprepared. <laughs> as, as he's like swallowing a beer, he's like, oh, God damn it. So he won't come to me first. Uh, for me, I think it was... Uh, it was the second of his name episode, so it was the only one that really had a battle sequence. Not that I need that, but um, I think you had a lot of political drama going on in that particular episode. Um, you got the creepy foot fetish guy's introduction and the fact that he's going to weave his way into the story and start playing people against each other. Um, and then everyone, you know, kind of telling King Vasaurus like what he should be doing. So there was a lot of that political drama going on. But then at the same time, you get the big battle sequence at the end where David just goes one on one against like an army. It was basically like doing the um, what was the Battle of the Bastards where he's just out there with a sword by himself and the whole army's right again. But he actually has to kill like, you know, 50 of them before they get there. Then he has to uh, go against Crabface. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm, I'm a little pissed off. The only yes. thing bad about it, I wanted to see the actual fight of them happening. They built up this crab face character and all he really ever does is stand and kind of brood from a distance. So uh, I didn't get to see that. But uh, I really liked that episode because that ending sequence, it was a, it was a good fight mostly because it was a turning point with Damon for me. Um because the king was going to bail him out. Like, look, I'm going to send my army. He reads the message. And he's like, screw that. Like, I don't need you bailing me out. I'm doing this in spite of you. This is my war. And he puts himself out there knowing he could get killed. Does a great job fighting off, like we said, 50 people. And then um, the, the crab king guy can't commit all of his army to go after him at once because he thinks that, you know, dragons might pop out at any minute. But Damon kills enough of them where he's like, all right, screw it. Everybody go. And then, you know, to die, everybody's burnt to toast. So... That episode had the best of both worlds, which is kind of what we probably will expect more of, of next season. Uh, there's going to be epic battles and still some of the political intrigue. Uh, for me, it's going to be episode number seven, which is Driftmark, which uh, because we actually get one fucking happy ending in this, in this whole series. And that's that Lenor gets to go off to Dorne or the or to one of the other realms with uh, with Sir Carl, the person he actually loves. Um, and I love the whole sequence at the end. I mean, there, I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, this whole thing is it's based around a funeral. And of course, there's more, you know, political machinations that are happening here. But it's all about like the fact is like Lenor. It's just everyone knows that he's not the dad. He is miserable. He doesn't want to be there. And, you know, Allison, I mean, sorry, uh, Renera doesn't really, well, she wants to be with Damon. So because she now has the opportunity because all those years of grooming helped because that's fucking creepy. Uh, so they have this moment. They hatched this plan. I remember when Damon was involved, I thought he was going to off Sir Carl. I thought he was going to kill him. They were going to kill Lenore because there has been nothing positive in this show so far. And I don't mean in a bad way, just everything is super gloomy. And instead what they do is <laughs> Damon breaks some poor guy's neck. I was going to say your happy ending involves a murder of some random guy. That guy has dreams get... too, Bill. <laughs> I'm sure he, he probably did. He probably had a family. He gets thrown in the fireplace, but I love the fact that like, I didn't connect the dots immediately. And then Carl's just like, you've always treated me like shit. And then Lenore, you've, figure he's drunk and they're going to go at it. And then you realize like, no, that random dude is in the, in the fireplace and they 
go off and live forever happily ever after and no one ever knows and even Rhaenyra is like you still killed my son well if you actually knew what happened you probably would love Rhaenyra even more um but that didn't happen but that's my favorite one because I just think it was really clever it ties off this little storyline that worked really well so well and and it's actually kind of a happy ending except for the guy who ended up in the fireplace um uh, Amanda what is your favorite episode I'm torn because I enjoyed Driftmark as well. I I loved Patty coming to his daughter's defense and just, even though he knew and you had to know he knew that. Yeah. And then we had the totally whole scene knew. where she gets the, the knife in yeah. her arm from Allison. Oh yeah. And just, I mean, that whole scene was so powerful. Patty Constantine, man, just, he had me like in tears. I'm a daddy's girl. And just to like, know that you know it's like that whole tugged at your heartstrings like your dad's got your back and you know just came in there and just defended and just i was just oh my gosh that was so emotional so powerful and i loved i loved that episode but episode eight with all of the machinations and the whole the scheming and the you know all it was it was really really just the whole kickoff of everything, just the fallout. Um, Is that where, that's the one where Damon just cuts the guy's head in half, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just everything, everything is just coming. I know. Everything is just coming together and, you know, and starting to go up. You know, I and I thought about, well, would I have liked the season finale if minus the gratuitous birth scene? I probably would have gone with that minus the gratuitous birth scene because you see Rainey's come in in her own killer. She knocked it. She nailed it. She nailed it. She finally got her impact more. So like she was teased, I feel like throughout. And then you just see this powerful performance um, and just her whole decision. Cause you really didn't know, was she going to stand? Was she going to, should she have smoked everybody? Um, <laughs> you, yeah, know, she, you know, she could have, why didn't she do it? You know, you have all these questions and then you have her trying to get smuggled out and the whole, like, is she going to get caught? Is she not going to, you know, that, you know, I almost went with number nine, number nine had, if I don't count the birth scene, it probably would have been right up there with number seven for me, to be honest. But if I could just phase out that horrible birth scene, <laughs> oh. nine, nine was really well done without the, and then the whole Damon choking rain era which i know we're going to dive into next there's some they, they set some interesting seeds up there yes uh, let's talk about um we talked about the worst part of the season we know yeah and yeah. we know uh and, and it's not the foot foot fetish scene it's the hard second part. worst <laughs> it's really hard to make that the second worst part but it really is yeah uh best performance that you uh uh i mean i'll start with you first who gave the best performance of uh, the season. It doesn't have to be the lead. Who do you, who just your favorite perf- favorite performance? Oh, it was hard because it I feel like especially towards the end everybody really stepped up their game, but oh my gosh. You know, in the beginning, clear cut, it was Patty Constantine. Yeah. Clear cut. Clear cut. But you know, Emma Darcy though, as Rainera, I think she really for me was a killer performance and I I loved her because she sold me more. I liked the actress who played young Rhaenyra, but I just felt like the stakes, the stakes were high for her, but to really see her come into that element and really act out. And again, just having to sit there being judged even more so without her dad there 
now as a shield and people question, you know, that you have this other guy crowned ahead of you. What do you do? Do you have enough allies? Like just seeing her in that position and just really embody, you know, going through everything with grace and you just that end sequence where she turns and you see like the murder in her eyes. I was like, every, if you told me something like that as a parent, God forbid, I would have that murder in my eyes. She nails it as a parent, as a, like you feel that it was very visceral. Um, and just, so for me, she really stood out because she sold Rhaenyra to me and I'm more invested in her now, even though I know what her story is going to be. I just feel like her acting is going to, when everything comes to a head, really drive everything home. If they keep her, I don't know if they're going to time jump again or how that's going to work. I don't think they are. I don't but think I haven't so, heard. Right? I, I, because yeah, you can't because think about it, if you're jumping that far, I guess it's like got to pick up like right where it ended. I would yeah, because you can't yeah. time. I mean, imagine you did that. You, do, you time jump that like hey, we're five years into the war, and you're like, fuck, man, did they get the dragons? Like, what happened? Yeah. Um, ben, who is your favorite performer? Yeah, I I did just want to touch on what Amanda just said though that that scene at the end where she gets the news that her son is dead like I was thinking like she's been doing like she's gonna drop to her knees like in despair type deal but instead she just gets the stone cold turn face and that was amazing like I, I love that ending they couldn't have had like a better like last scene for the show um uh, so I mean, I mean Patty seems like the obvious choice that we talked about because <laughs> the fact that he was able to act with half a face is incredible um, but. I touched on it earlier, but I'll give it to Matt Smith because he's gone through so many kind of ups and downs over the course of the show. Like he's done some very, very horrible things uh, that, you know, he did within the first couple when he was part of the White Cloaks. <laughs> that was brutal. And then uh, he killed his wife, basically. And uh, we thought he was going to be the oh, no, no, for no, sure. not basically. He's yeah, yeah. straight up guilty. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I forgot he actually comes back with the rocks. So, yeah. <laughs> comes back with a rock. Yeah. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but at the same time, sometimes he's on screen. And you're like, he's so charismatic, and like he's got these, you know, cool looks to him, and he's a hell of a fighter. Uh, you know, so you, you kind of root for him. So, it takes a really good actor to make you be able to see him do heinous things, and then still kind of be on his side a little bit. And he gets a chance to really, you know, shine in the last episode. Um, basically, finding out that his brother's dead and he's like well they killed him we're going to war let's go everybody and like, yeah just... that's the other thing it's just like the dude had half a face why do you think they killed him that guy was yeah. ready to drop dead there's no way he died of natural causes no he was way. so healthy yeah, last time i saw what it. a virile healthy man uh <laughs> um, poisoned him but the one thing uh and man i'm sure you agree is like uh matt smith i mean had one of the hardest roles because it's like damon's a piece of shit but he also remember the funeral scene he's actually really comforting to Rhaenyra. And then he's kind of, he's a piece of shit and he murders his wife, but then he like is a badass fighter, but then he has another family who he seems like he's pretty happy with. And then he has to mourn the death of his wife, but jumps into bed with his niece. And then he's, <sighs> then he's like, okay with be, Then he puts the crown on her. He's like, I'm okay with being second in command, but you knew about the song eyes and fire chokehold. Like, so many things he had to do in this series. It was kind of bonkers that he had to do so much. I think that was done on purpose because, you know, I don't think you were supposed to really root for Damon. No. A certain you weren't. And Matt Smith is such a likable guy. Like, you just can't help. No matter if he's like the biggest tool on a show, you're going to love him because he's the boyfriend doctor. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're just you're just going to love him. He's just such a naturally charming guy. Well, even like watching The Crown, 
Um, mm. You know, he's great in that. And you're not supposed to like him, but you still kind of do. And so I think High it's dies. Just, Kind yeah, of. it's the kind eyes. Well, but he's also somebody who who exudes romance when he can. And so I think there were a lot of attempts to de-romanticize because you saw it all over social. I did all over TikTok, all over socials. People were romanticizing and it's kind of like the producers yeah, and showrunners, the showrunners were like, how can you think he's yeah. how can you root for this guy? Well, how can you root for it's like, well, how can you well and it's like, how can you root for like this level of incest? I guess, because I mean, at least with Jon Snow and Daenerys, <laughs> at least there's... We didn't know till the end. Yeah, and exactly. It like... And it... Uh, but people like it, Jamie Lannister, like, even though you knew yeah. off the top, like, to an extent. Well, yeah, theirs was... But they didn't... I don't think they romanticized them as much. No. And I, I feel like they wanted you to... Lie, you know, you were supposed to go against Damon, but I, I feel like they kind of threw those pieces in there to make sure, like, him choking Rhaenyra... It's what well, we're going to make sure you don't like, because I, I felt yeah. like at least, and it's been a while again since I've read, I've read the book, but I felt like they were on the same page. And so they really, in the war, you know, they, they fought as a unit in a way. Well, I and think so they're on the I, same page now, probably. Yeah. Well, now they are, but I mean, again, he choked, but are they? I think how much of a power Anakin struggle. choked Padme doesn't mean he didn't love her. <laughs> Well, the Padme is no longer no longer with us. Yeah. So there you go. True. But, she died of broken heart, guys. Um, oh, I know. I, with Matt Smith, just the the part that really sunk his character on for me was like when he finds out his brother's dead, and even when he's seeing his brother like on his deathbed, like he just has this look. He doesn't say anything, but you see that he's you know mourning him, and he has pain in his eyes. Like when he's looking down at like this is the person that I used to look up to. He was king. He was everything. And then he's a shell of that right now. Like he did a really good job with all of his facial expressions. Like that mess with crushed. So I just what I think about the complexity of the character. It's just like they they didn't just say, like, oh, you're a hundred percent a bad guy. You have a humanity. There's a humanity to Damon. Now I think the the choke thing was, and as someone put this out there, I don't remember who it was or they or it was one of the 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 cast was like that he because he felt not that he was angry at Rhaenyra. He felt betrayed. Maybe you told me, Amanda. He felt betrayed by his brother that he would not be given this family secret. Well, she was, and he was just, he was lashing at her. I'm not justifying that at fucking no. all. But like, I it, had heard it was because he was angry that he was not going to be, he was not even considered heir. Like it was driving yeah. home the point that Rhaenyra was always meant to be heir and he was never going to have a shot. But he was fine with giving her the crown. And it was just like, I, I, that's the part where I was like, Meh. But I, I think he genuinely loved her, though. In a weird, creepy, it's creepy. Oh. <laughs> but it's creepy. I'm not, I'm not saying I condone it. It's, but the way that it's portrayed, and at least again, the way it's written as well, he loved her. And I think even with the, the, the other marriage, the second marriage he had, he kind of, he, I think there was fondness there, but I think he settled. And I kind of got that feeling of, he settled. And, um, you know, because again, he was so quick to, <laughs> and they always, they always tease that tension. So I, I feel like in his own way, he genuinely yeah. twistedly loved Rhaenyra in a weird way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For my best performance, I'm going to go with Patty Considine. It's easy. I mean, Olivia Cook's great. I remembered her name this time, but Patty Considine for me, because he's Ned Stark. He's the guy who sets everything in motion for the rest of the series. And you need someone who's so impactful with their performance, who can 
you know, he was the guy who built everyone up. Like everyone, like the show revolved around so much around him that in the beginning you had to establish him as the dominant point guard, essentially of the series. Everyone had to revolve around him and everyone had to react to him and they did and they became better and their characters were fleshed out because of him. And if he does not give this Brava, like huge series dominating performance. If he's not the alpha of the series in terms of performance, show doesn't work. So that's why for me, Patty Constantine, number one with a bullet. But let's get into our final, uh, let's get into our final segment of just let's rate this series. I'm gonna skip a couple segments because kind of we've covered a lot of it already. Where we want to uh rate this series on one to ten. Uh, falling, falling dragon limbs from the sky. Um, because we only talk about decapitated body parts on this. I mean, Amanda, let's go back to like we had that one time. Was, that was rough. Yeah. Uh, you're like, let's just talk about how they chop the guy's dick off. Okay, let's rate it on that. And so, yeah, like, listen, we do it here. So, yes, on a scale of one to 10, falling dragon body parts from the sky, then. As always, the commander of our hearts. What do you give season one of House of the Dragon? I am going to go with uh, it's a solid seven and a half for me because so the poor you know kid just is. cut in half. <laughs> and it's adjacent Jonas. He just falls. Yeah. His hair. It's just his hair. Falls from his yeah, hair. I, I think it's, it's been nice hair. It, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, super entertaining and kind of I'm bought into all these, you know, all the characters that I can remember the names of and whatnot. I bought in as much as you can be, uh, you know, you know, the important ones. And then season two is where things are going to ramp up. So seven and a half now. And it's got a lot of room to still grow. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with seven and a half as well. Like I said, this was a great base. This is like Game of Thrones season one. We've set the table. Now it's time to eat because now we're going to war. Now we're going to get all that action we wanted to that we wanted or that we wanted to come back. And I think we are off to the races with how good this show has the potential to be. Amanda, close us out uh, for House of the Dragon. Of those fallen dragon body parts, how many are you rating season one of House of the Dragon? Well, I'm going to make it unanimous um, because it is seven and a half for me as well. Uh I I thought again it was a solid base like y'all y'all have said I thought it was a good start I could have it it I think I got hooked a little later than I was I was hoping because I I, yeah, I was on the verge of kind of falling off there for a bit um, and then it hooked me towards the end so I was hoping I'd get hooked earlier but I think like Ben said you know there's still a lot of room there it was a solid ending again that whole closing scene was just straight up here's what season two is going to be like. Good luck. Um, get ready for the ride of your life. I'm a little sad about all the upcoming dragon deaths. I don't know. You have so <laughs> many dragons coming. Yeah. It's I like know, a dog just, dying. You never want to see it. Like you'd rather see all the people die. Don't even talk about it. Let's I know. Talk about it. <laughs> I know. Let's not talk about it. So my heart's going to hurt. My heart hurts a little bit, but this is a really good foundation. Great acting all the way around. I, again, it, I nearly kind of tuned out, but then it, it, it hooked me especially towards the second half. It was, I, I enjoyed it. So I'm ready to, I'm ready to watch season two. 
Excellent. All right, guys, we're going to wrap things up as we do every single week. We're going to give a recommendation for people. Now it's just the spooky season. It could be a Halloween based recommendation. And then, you know, plug your social media. So, Ben, you are our esteemed guest. Uh, and I know I hopefully this is not the last time we talk to you because you are headed off to a cabin in the woods to watch horror movies. I always as a father, I worry about you with this. These things don't often end well. You've seen Evil Dead. Don't it's read true. from weird books. I I would never. And also weird books that have faces because Hocus Pocus also taught me that is not a good thing. And I'm so thankful that you can make that reference now, Bill, because you've seen Hocus Pocus 1 and yes. Hocus Pocus 2. Multiple times this month. I get to Oh, nice. Multiple times. So uh, what are you recommending? And then plug your social media. Yeah, well, speaking of Halloween classics, uh, there is a 1991 classic horror film, uh, which sees a man looking to fulfill his ancestral duty after he accidentally unleashes an ancient troll who terrorizes the town, turning children into wooden dolls in order to have his troll army family take over. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about a little film called Ernest Scared Stupid, Bill. You son a of a bitch. Classic. <laughs> Freaking son classic if you've ever seen it. <laughs> well, now you definitely have to do your Yoda impersonation. Yes, you do. Control your dragons, you must. <laughs> oh my god, that was great. That was great. <laughs> so, uh, if for some reason after that you still want to follow me at Sorry. social media, it is at BD Murkison. Uh, man, uh, I'm mostly just singing the praises of Taylor Heineke right now. It's Heineke season. The legend lives on. Let's go, Commanders. <laughs> I just, I just tore, uh, tore two of my uh, non-existent abs laughing so hard. Um, uh, fuck. Uh, yeah. Also check out um, Ben's review of Do Revenge, which we just published on the site this week. Uh, of course, starring Sarah Michelle Geller, who we interviewed on the Popbreak.com. Uh, and I would like to uh, shotgun any for future interviews, if that's possible. <laughs> and done, my friend. Um, Amanda, where can people find you online and any pop culture recommendations you may have? So for me, I am primarily active on Instagram at Amanda Lorian, uh, where I basically just post random. I'm, I'm getting ready to do some cosplays this weekend. So y'all will be seeing some of that. So some of my cosplays are coming up. Uh, nerd t-shirts, pops, all those things. I'm a big, I'm a big nerd. My love of Star Wars. Um, a lot of my friends are like, oh yeah, you're a Star Wars source of Star Wars news. Yes, I, I make sure I keep everyone up to date. Um, so there's there's that. And of course. Um, I love local wrestling, so uh, definitely some some wrestling promotions to follow. Always include at Mission Pro Wrestling, at RCW Wrestling, which is River City Wrestling, at Uncanny Attractions as well. Those are three off the top of my head that I would totally recommend uh, for everybody to follow, and they are on all social media platforms. But yeah, feel free to check me out, and uh, yeah, lots of lots of good stuff coming. Pop culture recommendations, so. Does it have to be Halloween themed or can we? Whatever you want. Okay. Um, for those who haven't seen it yet, go see Tales of the Jedi. It's incredible. If you love Clone Wars, Rebels, any, if you basically are a Star Wars fan, you need to see this. Dave Filoni does another fantastic job. He, he, every episode is done by him. Uh, and he does what he masterfully does in tying in and filling in the gaps in various parts of the Star Wars universe. So I loved it. My son loves it. I'm probably going to watch it again um, <laughs> after we get done here. It is beautiful. Um, so please go watch it. And I want to hear what you think. 
Yes, that's on my well. When I get when my weekend dies down, I will definitely get into that. And Andor, which uh, we will be doing a, in a few weeks, we'll be doing a season one review of that. That's going to be a great one. Uh, as for me, I am going to uh, I'm going to do a personal recommendation for everyone first because I totally forgot. I had something in my head, then I was like, "Ah, shit, I forgot." Um, but but. Yeah, um, we're recording this October 27th. Uh, yesterday, October 26th, would have been my dad's 81st birthday. Uh, I miss him greatly. He passed away 11 years ago. So my recommendation, everyone, especially with the holiday season coming up, reach out to a friend or family member or someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Um, after the last two years, I think we all just realized how much we love and miss our families. We've created our own families in a lot of ways with friends and people we do podcasts with. Uh, so just reach out to somebody. I think it'd be, it'd be great. Even if it's a text, an email comment on a weird social media post that I make about stakes, like just anything, it'd be great. And I, I just, that's my recommendation to people. It's, it's a, it's a cop out, but I run the site so I can cop out whenever I feel like it. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely do that. That would be awesome. And uh, I have remembered my pop culture recommendation. Uh, Marvel's first special werewolf by night. It's the spooky season. Turn out your lights, turn it on the witching hour and enjoy 52 minutes of pure fun and awesomeness. It is so good. A lot of fun. It's funny. It's gory. It's scary. It's a throwback to uh, a bygone era. Definitely enjoy it. If you must follow me on Twitter, I am at Bodkin Writes. It's a whole bunch of really weird wrestling references. Uh, celebrations of the New York football giants actually winning games for the first time in what seems like forever and everything about the the site I have been running for the last 13 years. Uh, we talk about literally everything, anime, pop culture, video games, pro wrestling, movie, TV, you name it. We're talking about it. We have a ton of podcast network, a ton of podcasts out there. Go follow them on all your streaming platforms. Click the podcast tab. They're all in there on the site. They're awesome. You can hear all the lovely people on this podcast, on these, on other podcasts as well. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the pop break. So thank you guys for joining us for the last time for a little bit for the house pop break for Amanda and Ben. This is Bill Bodkin third in his name saying thank you. And uh, wait till you see what we have in store next week, AKA I got to figure out what we're going to talk about. 